And welcome everyone to another installment of Banker with a Beer presented by Northwestern Bank. As always, Scott Montesano here, joined across the way by Jerry Keel. And Jerry, well, we've got uh, more beer and more great guests uh, this week. Why don't you introduce everybody to what we have? We've got a great day today, Scott. First, it's probably almost 40 degrees outside. So that in itself is a banner thing that we need to identify today. But we have some great guests today. We have the three owners of Audio Architects. And I know there's a separate name for the business, but I think you're known publicly for Audio Architects. So we'll uh, DNA AV LLC probably isn't really, uh, doesn't fall off most people's lips like Audio Architects does. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. But we have Andy Pearson, Darren Wagner, and Nancy Carlson. They're the co-owners of the business and they if you have heard a major audio visual installation anywhere in the Chippewa Valley or maybe even western Wisconsin more than likely they've installed it so uh, we're going to be talking today about uh, their business and how they came together and what they're doing uh, today and in the future with audio visual uh, but we also have a great beer and these folks like to drink good beer so <laughs> Our beer today is going to be from Founders. I haven't had this. It's, uh, though highly rated, it's their KBS flavored stout. It's aged with chocolate and coffee and aged in oak barrel, oak bourbon barrels. So we're, that's what we're going to uh, tie into here. And to keep part of the festification, I have the little flouted glasses here that we're going to be enjoying this in. So I'll start with the beer, and Scott, I'll let you bring the guys on board. Well, yeah, why don't we uh, have you guys tell us a little bit about uh, Audio Architects. Uh, that's me, I guess. Um, well, we, the three of us had purchased a business four years ago um, from the previous owner. Uh, I don't know what the specific year that he started it was, um, but it's been around for quite a while in the area. Um, 86. So 86, yep. So um, we purchased it, yeah, like I said, four years ago. Uh, we'd all been longtime employees, um, office manager, sales staff, and project manager. Um, so yeah, I mean, we we basically do audio video um, setups in commercial buildings, um, churches, schools, businesses, you name it. It needs an audio system, and we'll put it in there. So uh, we try to stay away from residential. Uh, we have done a few houses, but typically it's in the commercial industry that uh, that we stick to. So, well, the uh, beverages have been uh, poured. Uh, well, a few weeks ago, uh, Jerry, uh, we we partook in a very heavy beer. This looks just as heavy. Well, th this <laughs> this is sold by the thirty weight. Uh, so this is about a, about a ten W forty here, and um, it's be gasoline, isn't it? Gasoline. Like I said, this is this is worth about uh, three to four thousand miles on a change. So, well, salute to everybody, and Cheers. away we go. Keep a match away from that. <laughs> It'll be smooth. So far, or is this, is is it worthy? It's lovely. It's lovely. Excellent. Good. Right away, though, I, I have to say this for for audio people. You got to the young lady across the way. You got to make sure the stick mic is right near your face when you talk. <laughs> I'm just making side comments. I'm not. Necessarily <laughs> I was gonna say it's one thing when we have everybody else on, and people aren't used to talking into the microphone. But I'm gonna give a hard time to the audio engineers. Yeah, we would lecture our clients on that. That's for sure. <laughs> it's it's fair enough. 
they usually stick me in the office and don't let me out very much, so I'm, I'm not used to this part of things. I was going to say, it's not till the end of the 30 minutes where the beer has gone through that I expect the microphone to be dropping off to the side. <laughs> uh, you gave us a little bit of a, of a background on Audio Architects, and we'll dive more into it here in the next uh, little bit. But uh, any big project you guys are working on right now? Anything uh, you guys are really excited about at this very moment? Uh, we're working on Spring Valley School, the 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 big um, addition up there. Um, but for right now, we're, it's, it's a lot of smaller projects we're working on. Um, recently, it's been nothing but you know cameras and streaming uh, churches. Uh, obviously, with COVID going on, that's a, a big part of the business right now. So, um, but as of right now, we don't have anything huge um, on the books. It's just uh, some smaller projects that are keeping us busy right now. Well, now that, as they say in the in the sales game, there, yeah, you'd like to kill that one big elephant, but if you if you kill a bunch of rabbits, you'll still eat the entire year. True. <laughs> <laughs> I have just want to go with each of you just just quickly. We'll start we'll start with you, Darren, and then uh, we'll move on from there. But um, so you went from being employees to yep. being owners. Maybe start a little bit. What got you into this? you know, line of business, and then that transition piece into becoming an owner? Sure. Uh, for me, uh, it was Andy. Uh, actually, I, I was working over in Stevens Point as a manager at a Menards over there and um, looking for something different to do. Uh, kind of done with the retail thing, and I was doing some home audio stuff. And uh, an acquaintance of both of ours had known as a longtime family friend of Andy's and I worked with him uh, an older gentleman named Paul and uh, he was like well you know this guy that I know does this for a living you should give him a call one day so I was on a break at lunch and I called Andy he gave me Andy's number and I think I said about two words and Andy just kind of took it from there um, sounds about right told me what they did told me everything about all of it and uh, a week later I was driving from Stevens Point to Chippewa Falls to do an interview. And two weeks after that, I was moving with my girlfriend to find a place up here. So I was really fast, really, I don't know. It was, I thought it was going to be an easy transition. It was one of the hardest transitions I ever made in my life. Um, I realized how little I knew, which was really hard to grasp. Uh, but that first meeting I went to, I, 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 they probably saw my jaw on the table. Uh, just the terminology and everything that's used in the industry, I knew nothing about. Um, so it was a pretty steep learning curve, um, and that's kind of how that ball got, got rolling. Um, and and then Andy, how about you? What, what was your background? You, you, I think you've probably been in the business the longest, or, or, or did um, Nancy predate? Well, Nancy's Andy? been in the business a little longer than me as far okay. as in the professional world. I've been involved in audio from um, high school on, essentially. So my start was pretty early, um, doing lights and sound for all the theater productions, um, running and setting up the sound systems for dances and other things in high school that carried on into college, where I became the engineer at the radio station while I was there getting a degree in something else altogether. Um, I ended up finishing a degree in biology, clearly, with uh, what I do here. Um, but <clears throat> this is something that I've always done in the background. So uh, it was kind of a natural progression for me. Uh, I just happened to get lucky and follow my, what is now wife, uh, 
to this side of the state and found this company doing what I always wanted to do. I just never knew it existed quite in the format that, that we do it. So because it's a little different that we don't have a, a showroom or a store. We don't have clients visit us. We always visit clients um, because we travel quite a bit of Wisconsin. So we're always stopping by their places and designing uh, facilities for them. So it was hard to grasp conceptually for me that, that a, a company like this quite existed where we do permanently installed sound, video, and control systems. Um, we're usually in the background most of the time. So uh, as long as our stuff works, uh, no one knows about us. But as soon as stuff stops working, um, they start thinking about what we do and how important that becomes. So uh, for me, it was pretty natural progression. Uh, started off as a technician, similar to Darren. Uh, worked my way up. Uh, I ended up doing a, a lot of sales for a long period of time, uh, where Darren was installation and then became project management, which was another uh, a really good transition for him as well so uh, but Nancy was actually uh, at the company a little longer than I was and also started from another kind of audio background nice transition <laughs> <laughs> yeah I actually um, in middle school um, is when I started my orchestra director owned a recording company and <clears throat> similar to Audio Architects, he went on site to do recordings. He didn't have a studio in, you know, that he went to. It was completely on site, so it was a lot of hauling gear and setting stuff up and then recording school concerts, churches, um, some business meetings, um, you know, state uh, competitions, that kind of thing for music. And in middle school, um, he needed a person just to kind of do the grunt work and also do a little bit of the, um, you know, boxing and at, at that time it was cassette tapes. I'm not going to confess my age, but that might give a hint, um, but it was cassette tapes. And so it was, you know, making sure that they were all duplicated and recorded to sell to, to people and labeled. And um, I moved up to actually writing some of the context on the, the, the jackets and everything. And, um, got to do some of the recordings and some of the editing work with that and uh, kept going with that through college, actually. Um, and then in my senior year of college, I had friends out here and I was like, okay, well, what if I find a job out here? Um, and just happened to um, go through the yellow pages and I was fascinated by acoustics, fascinated by how different rooms sound different ways. Um, the, the equipment that he used to set up the different rooms in different ways. Um, and so I started looking up acoustics and Audio Architects was number one in the phone book under acoustics and I called and they happened to have a job opening. And so I went and I interviewed and, and I'm still here. So um, it, all, it all worked out very interestingly, but I, I came at it from more of a scientific background and um, I actually, I have a degree in both physics and math because um, I figured even if the acoustics thing didn't work out, I loved science and I loved how things worked and I'd go somewhere with it. So, so physics and math, biology. Darren, what's... I went to college for business. Okay. So. so so none of you went for audio engineering or anything like that? Really wasn't much of a thing. <laughs> really wasn't much of a thing, uh, I guess, at least when we started to get into it. Uh, most audio engineering, when you think of it, uh, actually ends up being more production audio recording. Um, 
So unless you get into more of a broadcast degree, that would that would probably get you a little bit more to the equipment side of things. It, our industry is is really odd, and, it, and it's a very niche industry, specifically what we do. So um, a large part of the actual work is is very construction oriented. Um, it, there's a lot of design work, like architectural work that goes into it to begin with, as far as designing systems, laying them out, um, which uh, Nancy was an absolutely big part of that as far as all the system diagrams and how they're interconnected. But then when you're on site actually installing this stuff, a lot of it is construction. It's pulling wire, it's bolting things together, installing speakers, and then you get into this this other world of now everything is a computer for the most part, so then a lot of programming. So we have programmers as a big part of, of what we end up doing. Um, the fun doesn't come until the very, very end where we get to have everything functional and then we get to crank it up and actually listen to the music part of it. And, uh, and that's, that's the fun part, but it's, it's a very short part at the very end. <laughs> Now, I'm not an acoustic engineer by any stretch of the imagination, but I knew at one time the idea was that you just want to project sound. And so someone who wa was in a room and they want to be heard, so they would hang speakers up with a amplifier behind it and just blast sound out with the hopes of that people could hear all over the place. That's changed dramatically. Now it's yes. about, you know, sensing the room and mapping the room and then knowing, trying to have the same sound quality if you are in the back corner as opposed to being the front of the room. How did that all evolve? <laughs> well, we have to probably attribute a lot to the previous owner where he also approached the whole business a, a very scientific background. So as far as you mentioned modeling, so we do a lot of modeling for the rooms. That tells us the right speakers and the right locations. Uh, to begin with, but a big part of where we come into play is we're in the sound reinforcement world opposed to just music generation. Um, and we have more of an approach where for a lot of our facilities, what we're looking to do is reinforce speech. So speech intelligibility is one of the bigger factors of what we have to do. If you're making announcements, it needs to be crisp and clear. If you're in a church and you're speaking, it needs to be crisp and clear. And then we have the whole other world of music, where then we get bands and musicians, and we want all that to sound good as well. But a large part of what we do need to do is to make sure that our systems are highly intelligible. Uh, again, the ability to understand that spoken word. It's kind of first and foremost in a lot of our designs. So it, it creates a system where uh, directionality becomes very important because the timing of the speech or the acoustics of the room become very important. Uh, and, it, and it's quite different from just a music venue. Uh, a music venue, we would have things like surround sound speakers in some cases. We need to do maybe high volume levels, very full range volume levels. And, and we have a lot of systems like that that we do for facilities like auditoriums uh, and and some churches and other facilities, but speech intelligibility was kind of a, a big part of it. And that really allowed us to dial into the scientific aspects of where we come into play, where the modeling is important um, and the design work is very, very important to how we approach our, our systems. Got a lot more to get to in the next uh, part of uh, the podcast, but before we take our uh, time out, Jerry, a reminder of what we are drinking today. A 
delightful beer from Founders, their KBS, it's highly acclaimed barrel age series, and this is their barrel bourbon aged stout with chocolate and coffee overtones. So hope you're all enjoying it. More Bank with a Beer presented by Northwestern Bank in just a moment. We're now joined by Craig with Toys and Ford, and he is here to tell us a little bit more about this hometown dealership. Craig, so many service options in town. What makes you stand out? There's lots of places that you can go get your car serviced. And, and one of the things that we've always taken great pride in in the Toys and Family is the strength of our service department. It's something that customers have a lot of anxiety in, and, and there's a trust factor that we take very seriously. And it's kind of one of the great things about our new dealership is that there's a window right in the waiting area that you can look out in the shop and see exactly where we're at with your vehicle, what's being done, what the progress is. So if the service writer hasn't checked in with you for a few moments, you know exactly what's going on with your car. You can see it right there. And I think that's been really a great thing for customers who are sitting here watching their car getting worked on. Thanks, Craig. And you can learn more yourself by visiting toysin4.net. Hi, I'm Jody Becker. I'm a Vice President of Business Banking at Northwestern Bank. I certainly value the relationship that I have with the clients, and they definitely want to make a difference in the Chippewa Valley. And I want to make sure that their business banking experience is smooth, seamless, and yet thorough for them. It's been wonderful for me to get to know them over the years, and I'm looking forward to many more years. Northwestern Bank, building stronger communities where people matter. Member FDIC. Making those final arrangements after the death of a loved one is never easy, hampered even more by the trauma and cloud of grief. Randy with Stokes, Proc, and Munt and the Cremation Society tells us funeral directors are experienced and their goal is to facilitate your healing. Because when there's a death, it's traumatic to most people. So we're dealing with their acute grief. One of our roles is to comfort them and, you know, and give them order where there's disorder because they don't know what to do. They're in shock, they're numb, and they need somebody to lead them down the right path. And for the most part, that's what funeral directors do or try to do. Sometimes people know what they want, but they don't always know what they need. And that's us to give them options. Randy and the folks at Stokes, Proc, and Munt, along with the Cremation Society, are available to answer any of your questions, including pre-planning your arrangements. Check them out online and on social media. We continue on with Banker with a Beer, presented by Northwestern Bank. Scott Montesano, Jerry Keel. Uh, Jerry, our guests in beer today. We are enjoying the company of three great entrepreneurs, I'll say, owning a business. We can talk a little bit about that in a second. Uh, Andy Pearson, uh, Darren Wagner, and Nancy Carlson from Audi Architects. Uh, they're telling us about their business and their evolution from being uh, workers to being owners. And for our beer today, we are having a Founders KBS Stout, which is really tasty today. You guys have kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, but overall, what, what are some of the, the changes that have occurred in the industry in the last number of years? And, and obviously, uh, more people are interested, as you mentioned before, in streaming, and they need cameras, and they want to have good quality uh, video, and a lot of churches are using it, and schools are using it, but uh, overall, the, the changes, and the, there's different needs and different wants, and there was even five, ten years ago. 
I mean, I think the biggest change we've seen is just audio over networks. Um, we, you know, we laugh because it, it was talked about for so long. Um, you always heard it was coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then it was like a light switch. Um, and everything just went on to a network system. Uh, so that was kind of the major one, what, about five years ago, four or five years ago? Um, and then touch panels and yeah. touch devices. Can I control it with my phone, my tablet? Does it have Bluetooth? <laughs> yep. Yeah, everything's wireless. So um, so between those two, uh, again, the newest one is, is streaming. I mean, I think a lot of with, with COVID and churches not having people in, in the church, they need to stream it to Facebook, stream it to YouTube, stream it wherever they need to stream it, put it there on their own website. So um, that's obviously just been the last year, I think. But uh, we've been doing cameras for a while. But it's when it's really taken off over the last year. Um, but, yeah, anything else? Everything is digital. Um, uh, audio starts off analog, it ends analog, but it, everything's digital between here and there. So we've seen a, a huge evolution on certain products like mixers are all digital these days. Uh, a lot of our analog gear has become uh, virtually worthless over time because everybody just wants all the bells and whistles on all the devices. Uh, yeah, I mean, even since we started, you know, you went from a huge rack of equipment with five amplifiers and 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 EQs and and everything else, and now it's down to you know a third of the size that it was because you have digital amplifiers and um, it's just everything completely shrunk. The the other thing I think is that customers are much more willing to um, <clears throat> interact with it. Where when it was this big rack of equipment and everything had a knob and a dial and flashy lights. And I think people were intimidated by it. And now everyone has crazy technology that they carry around in their pocket. And so I think people are much more willing to go in and open up the app and be like, okay, what can I play with? I can adjust this. Ooh, I can adjust this. Hey, can you make it so I can do this and this and this? Which so, is a fine line. <laughs> yeah, there, there are definitely positives and negatives with that. Uh, but but it, it's fun because it allows us to work with our clients a little bit more and make sure that they they know what they're getting. They understand it. They like it. They're going to use it. Um, so how do you, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to say like a, a, like a mixed system. So if someone you're talking Andy about, uh, being able to articulate and here's somebody, you know, um, speak, you know, that clearly if you want to, if you're having a sermon or something or a, or a lecture, you want it to be understood properly. Well, if the same speakers, you're going to be having a booming bass. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly two different, um, usage of that, of that speaker, uh, how do you do design a system that can kind of cover those two areas without uh, losing one or the other? Well, briefly, and I'll try to be brief on this because okay. we can go down to the rabbit hole of, of the technology behind it. But um, a lot of our approaches uh, to start with a speaker solution that fits the room. Um, so the room's acoustics dictate a lot of what we do for a speaker or speaker pattern. So how, what, what it takes to actually cover the room, uh, as well as kind of the performance value of it. Uh, from there, our systems today are, are largely a computer. That's kind of another evolution of it. It's, it's a black box that's a com computer that we put on a network and we connect touch panels to it. Almost everything else connects to it via network wires these days. The computer processing power, uh, as Darren mentioned, it just eliminates racks full of gear now. And so we have all these little tools inside of these boxes that we can use to try to regulate the sound between different people speaking or between different styles of 
of inputs or uh, sources. So we mentioned the speech versus the music. Now we have devices so sophisticated that we can keep that speech microphone very crisp and clear, but yet make the music very rich and full sounding. And it's all due to the, like, the processing that we have inside of the boxes. It gives us a lot more discretion over each input and each output, or at least that's the way we think of it in our world. So again, we can, we can make uh, the main podium mic very crisp and clear, yet maybe a canter microphone a little bit more rich and full, uh, at, again, using a church as an example. Uh, for that. Does that kind of answer your question? Sure. Well, then, and a, kind of a follow-up though too, and, and I'll go back a little bit to the, your, the between analog and digital. So my uh, my daughters who are in their 20s have found, refound vinyl. And you know, this warmth of vinyl and mm -hmm. the analog, I mean, that, that's what I grew up with. And they, they were thrilled that I kept some of my old albums from my uh, college days and uh, are enjoying them now. But so from your perspective, I mean, do you see uh, that we've lost something in this digital transformation? Yeah, on the music side, I would say in a lot of ways, yes. But some of those losses, I would say, are offset by content choice. So you, you may, people oftentimes are streaming audio in lesser quality. Uh, let's put it in a school gymnasium standpoint, though, for a second. In that standpoint, it hardly matters that you're at a lower quality because you're essentially in the room of the acoustics of a garbage can. So, you, you know, you're you're trying to weigh one against another. But at the same time, it may be lower quality, but you've got every song that has ever been made in the palm of your hand and available at that moment. So, if if we had more of a critical listening environment, let's say like your conference room here, where we were able to put a little nicer speakers in if you were listening to some music as part of it, uh, or for the playback side of it, then, then we can focus in on having nicer, higher fidelity speakers in situations like that. Um, but there are other situations, again, the school gym, or let's say the, uh, the maintenance garage at a, at a school where we have some speakers, we're not as worried about it in that part. So um, what we're focused in on certainly is the audio quality of the speech, which I think is vastly improved over the years. Um, but music, I think the, 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 the quality difference in music has really gone down, but mainly from the sourcing of it because everybody started with MP3s or streaming to begin with, which was already a, a huge downgrade in, in audio uh, quality. Um, although we're seeing that start to come back. So we design systems that are capable of dealing with any of it, um, but a lot of times the sourcing uh, isn't all that good yet. I'd like to make a transition from kind of like what you do to how kind of how you do it. And so the three of you at times worked for, for Pear, mm -hmm. uh, former owner, now you're owners. How is that, how, why own it? How is that transition gone? And what words of advice would you have for our listeners who are thinking of, of basically buying their workplace to become the owner and continuing to work there? Wow, uh, that is a tough question because there are so many positives um, and so many negatives. <laughs> it is. My, my comment when we first did this was, um, it's the most exciting and most terrifying time that I've, <laughs> that I've gone through. So, um, because it is, it, there are definitely positive and negatives. I I wouldn't change it though. I'd totally yeah. do this all over again. Um, but it was it it kind of transitioned with the 
we wanted to be able to do more. We had our own ideas. We had our own interactions and um, we just, we wanted to, to do more. And the previous owner was, was kind of talking about retiring. And so it all, it all kind of worked that way. But uh, um, it was definitely a long process. Um, there was a lot of conversations that happened. Should have been more. I mean, I mean, the, the communication is the hardest part of it with it the really three is. of us. Um, just, we all have three different ways to approach a problem. Um, Again, that's positive and negative. And positive <laughs> and negative, right. So we all, a lot of times we'll see three solutions or we'll see, you know, maybe it's two solutions or, um, so that part of that, keeping that communication open, which is where we honestly struggled for a little while. Uh, I think it's gotten better. Um, but that that is by far the hardest part of that transition um, of, of ownership for the three of us, having partners. Um, the, the, the fun part is we get to kind of do what we want to do. Um, so we saw a lot of growth that could happen with the company, and we made the growth happen. I mean, we've doubled sales in the, f in the four years we've owned the business. Um, so uh, we're also, we have, you know, some new employees that we, you know, we brought in, and they're doing amazing. And, you know, uh, we credit them with a lot of our success. Uh, they all work really, really hard, and uh, we appreciate everything they do. So we're able to reward them a little bit more than than previous. Um, we look at our business, kind of the three of us, w the reason we started it was, or one of the reasons, I guess, is we really wanted to kind of make it that family and reward the hard work, the really reward the hard work. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping if you talk to our employees, they'll they'll see that. So. Okay. And that's part of being a, a very small business. I mean, there's 11 of us right now, and it's it's really easy to be to look at it as a family. It it really is. Um, I mean, we definitely we we care about all of our employees and what they're doing, and want them to be happy. And and when we had our end of year meeting last uh, last year, and we were able to tell them some really good news. I mean, they just about gave us a standing ovation, and I almost lost it because I was like, oh, my employees like me. <laughs> so it was, um, it it's. It's extremely rewarding. It is, it is very rewarding. Um, it's I, I would I would encourage people um, to do this because it is rewarding. But it is definitely not for everyone. Uh, there's, it's there's sleepless nights. Yes, yes, there there are. But uh, especially when we first started. Yeah. <laughs> we had two nickels to rub together. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to figure out as we go, you know. Yeah. But um, we had really great partners uh, yep. with you know with with the bank with Jerry. Um, was great with answering questions on, okay, how do we do this and the other, and um, other business partners that, that really helped as well. So, Do you have time for one more question? One more question. exactly what I was going to tell you. One more question. One more question. Okay, so you have lots of installs. I know you've done things throughout the state. Anyone you look at that this is, you know, we nailed this one. That was just something that, that, that you, you know, through your, you know, they, they weren't quite sure what they wanted, they want something special, and, and you delivered in spades, or maybe came up with, with a, a process, something that just kind of blew them out of the water, and you just look back, and you kind of go, yep, we, we, we did that one well. I, well, I would say there's a lot of those, actually. Okay. We've, we've been fortunate to do this for a long period of time. Um, I've been with the company in the totality of the company, Audio Architects, for almost uh, 18 or 19 years here. And we have a number of projects that I think are, are really up there. And, and each year they kind of get 
better. And they're all unique in their own way because we do schools and churches and businesses and, you know, some one one really fun one uh, that we had done early on was uh, the Metropolis um, Action City place. And it was kind of fun because it was a fun environment to begin with. Uh, but it was it was very different where we had a technology solution to kind of work at a theme park like that that could be integrated across the whole place and use a whole lot of what we do specifically which is to make a system that was easy to run and just operates in the background but then we have even larger projects that we have done a lot of them with the university uh, or universities I should say but even here at uh, Eau Claire and actually even right across the way here uh, Altoona River Prairie um, we had we had a, a lot doing with that as well, um, where it was fun and unique challenges, I would have to say, that are a little different uh, than some of the other ones. Darren, can you think some? A lot of the large cathedrals, man. Uh, they're crazy acoustically, and just getting them to sound halfway decent is a challenge. Um, you know, lacrosse, I know you guys installed that. That was before my time, but... Um, that was amazing to do. That was so much of the initial acoustic analysis and speaker design and layout, and and that's I, I got to work on that one a lot, and um, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of those a lot well. of those cathedrals. You walk in, and I mean, you can't have a conversation in a room like this, just six feet apart, because it's hard to understand the other person, and you know, and to make that work is is pretty amazing. I'll just wrap up with one quick story. So. Uh, back when my younger daughter was a senior in high school, I'm going to, I'm going to make hopefully Andy blush here a little bit, <laughs> but, um, they, she was in this musical at McDonald high school, um, hello Dolly. And they went to do mic checks. This is for the last show on Sunday morning and it didn't go and the amp blew up and here it's you know, literally an hour before the show. And, uh, so a frantic phone call was made. I heard about the second hand. And so Andy, it was an Audi Architects uh, install, heard about this, got this on a Sunday, went home, grabbed his amp out of his own house, brought it there, hooked the thing up, and the show started 15 minutes late, but the show went on without a hitch. And so that's, you know, as a father whose daughter was in the play, that was really a great day. So thank you. <laughs> you, bet. you bet. We try to help where we can. Well, an outstanding episode, fascinating, uh, and again, people have seen the the van going around town, Audio Architects, and uh, I've had a chance to work with Audio Architects in the past, and I'm sure a lot of people out there as well have worked with uh, Audio Architects. A uh, fascinating conversation, uh, a very, very rich beverage we had uh, <laughs> here today as well, and I'm pretty darn sure, because Jerry's over here just hammering it. If I'm going to be <laughs> napping it tonight, <laughs> Scott. I was, well, I was going to say, if I kept the microphone on for another 30 minutes, we'd probably hear all the bank secrets, but, <laughs> and quite frankly, probably for audio architects as well. But uh, that'll do it for this week's installment of Bank of the Beer, presented by Northwestern Bank.